Steel Profiles podcast is brought to you by AISC Continuing Education. Visit AISC.org seminars to find a seminar in a city near you. Welcome to another episode of Steel Profiles. I'm your host, Margaret Matthew, Senior Engineer in the Continuing Education Department at AISC. 2011 marks the 20th anniversary of the National Student Steel Bridge Competition. The competition is an intercollegiate challenge requiring civil engineering students to design, fabricate, and construct a steel bridge. The competition got its start in 1987 as an idea for a great steel design teaching tool by Bob Shaw, who was then the AISC Director of University Programs. The first competition was a showdown between three Michigan universities. This year, 200 teams competed in the 18 ASCE student conferences. They included teams from 47 states and Washington, D.C., Puerto Rico, Canada, Mexico, and as far away as China. Of those 200 teams, 47 have qualified to compete in the national competition, which will be held at Texas A&M University on May 20th and 21st. Here today to talk about this exciting event is Frank Hatfield, Ph.D., P.E., Emeritus Professor of Civil Engineering at Michigan State University. In 1988, Professor Hatfield became the first coach of the bridge team for Michigan State University. He hosted the first national competition in 1992 and has been the chair of the Rules Committee ever since. Welcome, Frank. Thank you for being my podcast interview uh, this month. Can you tell us a little bit about your background? And uh, I understand you're a professor emeritus at Michigan State University. Right. I retired from uh, Michigan State University in 2001 after 30-some years of teaching there. I was mostly a teacher of structural engineering, uh, including steel design. A few years before I I retired, I got interested in uh, restoring historic truss bridges. There's a group down in Calhoun County, Michigan, uh, that was taking these off-county roads, restoring them, and setting them up as pedestrian bridges in a park midway between Battle Creek and Marshall, Michigan and I volunteered my engineering services for that. And that's uh, been an interesting thing to do in retirement as well as uh, chairing the, the uh, rules committee for the bridge contest. Okay, so the National Student Steel Bridge Competition uh, is coming up in May in College Station, Texas. Correct. In a nutshell, can you tell us what the competition's all about? Certainly. First, let me tell you that this is our 20th national competition. Uh, Basically, we start uh, in January is our first regional competition. Most of those are in March and April, but there's one that starts in in January. So students from competing universities, these are all civil engineering students, bring in bridges that they've designed and fabricated. They bring them in in short pieces, about three feet long, and then they're timed as they construct those over an imaginary river. So the uh, Scoring of the contest then is based on how quickly they can get it together over the river. They're penalized if they step in the river, that's a pseudo drowning. Uh, They're penalized if they drop tools and things like that. They're also judged on how many people it takes to put the bridge together. After it's assembled, it's weighed, and of course lighter bridges are scored better and then load test it with a little more than a ton of weight. These bridges, by the way, are about 20 feet long. That's pretty much the contest. And then they also have to have a design element too, right? They have to have design calculations and... Right, there's a a poster involved that uh, documents their design. So the bridge competition started as a regional competition here in Michigan in 1985. Uh, Actually, 87. 87. 
and then went national in, in 1992. That's correct. Um, so you were around in the very beginning. So can you tell us about the early days and how the top competition got its start? Well, I wasn't at the first one in 1987, but that was the brainstorm of uh, Bob Shaw, who was then the director of university relations for AISC. And he ran this as a pilot uh, test program here in Michigan. It was conducted at Lawrence Tech University and there were three teams that entered. Mine was not among them. The basics were laid down at that point, river about 20 feet wide, uh, limited member size. Judging was pretty much on the same criteria that I discussed earlier. Uh, Michigan Tech won that contest. Their bridge was a uh, replica of a 19th century railroad truss, uh, very heavy, made with heavy angle iron, weighing about a half a ton. To give you a perspective, a bridge these days in this contest will seldom be over 200 pounds. Uh, Lawrence Tech entered as well. They had a bridge that consisted of chains of rather heavy wide flanges bolted together at the webs only and uh, sagged almost to failure under its own self-weight. And as a Comparison, a modern bridge now under a ton of load will sag maybe a quarter of an inch. <laughs> the other entry was Wayne State. They brought in a very nice box truss, but it took them something like three hours to put it together. Uh, a bridge these days will seldom go over 10 minutes. Well, that was the beginning. Uh, my team from Michigan State University entered the next year in 1988. And over the next four years, we took first place in our region every year. Well, we realized by then that this contest was spreading to other regions, and uh, we were seeing these bragging press releases from other areas. So my students said, well, let's, let's have an open challenge. Let's challenge all these other teams, whoever we can round up, whoever we can get to, let's challenge everybody in the nation to bring their bridge to Michigan State and we'll have an open national competition. This was 1992. AISC was gracious enough to help support that. Uh, we had 13 total bridges, six from our north central region and seven from uh, out of the region. And the contest was a lot of fun. Uh, it was outside on an almost rainy day and everybody seemed to enjoy it. And the team from Southern Polytechnic uh, stepped up and said, well, this was, this was great. We're going to host it next year. And so we were off to a running start and uh, AISC has graciously supported the contest ever since. And did Michigan State win that first? We did indeed. Excellent. That was the last win we've had, by the way. <laughs> oh, well, there's always this year. There always is. Um, so you are the chair of the Rules Committee. I am the chair of the, the Rules Committee. For the national competition. Well, we set the rules for the regionals and the national. So they're all the same. S same rules. Tell us how the rules have evolved and changed over the years. Well, the most obvious thing is bulk. Uh, the first set of rules was 16 pages for the teams, plus two for the hosting organization. The document now runs to 38 pages, and we have a website for the hosting organization uh, to show them how to run the contest. Where did all those extra rules come from, all that extra boilerplate? Well, we've added a lot of rules on safety. We mm -hmm. want to have an absolutely safe contest. We've elaborated the scoring uh, so that there are more categories of competition so that we can pass out more honors. Uh, we've made the rules more explicit. We've closed some loopholes. ASCE 
now uh, includes this contest in their student conferences, their regional conferences. So we have several pages governing uh, eligibility, ASCE rules for eligibility. We have rules that we've added that can help control the cost. We've prohibited some very expensive types of connections, and we've tried to have rules that will make sure that these bridges are realistic representation of real practice. So the type of bridge that the students design changes every year as well, right? Well, yeah, and the rules drive that. So some years you'll see through trusses, some years deck trusses, some years pony trusses, some years a mixture of several of those. Uh, some years we've mandated uh, double span, single span structures. Uh, this year we have a cantilever extension on the bridge. Oh, that should be exciting. Uh, it has been at the regionals. <laughs> uh, some years we allow cables, some years we don't. How do we get a bridge across the river? Well, sometimes we allow the use of temporary piers. Some years we allow barges, which are students that can operate only in the river, builders in the river, and they can help support the bridge as it crosses. Uh, some years counterweights are used. What's the reaction been to the competition from structural design professors? Well, I'd have to say it's mixed. Some of them are extremely enthusiastic. They've embraced the contest. They've included it uh, right in the curriculum. Others merely tolerate it. And there are very few schools that uh, inhibit or certainly don't encourage participation. And I have to emphasize that that is a very few schools. We have about 200 uh, civil engineering departments that do participate in the contest. How important is the support from the department and instructors for a successful team? Well, it's extremely important. First off, the students need a safe workplace and they need good tools. Money is always helpful. The more time a, a team spends uh, out fundraising, the less time they have to concentrate on design and fabrication. A supportive department will provide a technician to help teach fabrication techniques. We'll have professors that consult on design. And in many cases, the department will actually offer academic credit for participation, which is a big plus, a real big mm -hmm. plus for the students because that means that they are not having to walk away from classes, ignore their studies and so forth uh, to participate. The bridge becomes part of their studies. And I have to tell you that support varies quite a bit from university to university. How does a successful team approach the contest? Well, first I would say the team reviews its past performance in, in previous contests, trying to learn from their mistakes. Scheduling is very important, setting deadlines, because things get so busy in the spring. Mm -hmm. uh, so they need to get their design done early uh, and get into fabrication probably by, uh, by Christmas break. So scheduling and setting deadlines, keeping deadlines is very important. It's important to recruit the right skills in the students. You need students who are good at design, you need students who have some fabrication skills, and you need an adequate number of students. Uh, this cannot be a one-person contest. There's just too much to do. A good team will compare alternative designs, picking the one that they think will work best. And of course, when it comes to fabrication, uh, it's important that they do it accurately, which means building jigs and watching their tolerances carefully. 
And finally, when they get the bridge all fabricated, a good team will practice over and over and over on the construction till they get it down choreographed, know to the instant what each builder is needing to do. So do the students have to fabricate the bridge themselves? Is that required? or It is not, because many schools don't have the facilities for students to do that. So the option is either fabricate it themselves or have a professional fabricator do it, in which case the students prepare the shop drawings and observe the fabrication. An intermediate step to that is to have uh, university technicians do the fabrication. Again, the students prepare shop drawings and observe the operations. So either way, they're, they're getting some really great experience, whether they're preparing shop drawings or having to do fabrication themselves. Either way, they're learning uh, fabrication techniques. Yeah. Uh, how important is past experience in the competition for winning? I mean, if a team comes in and has never been to nationals or hasn't won, I mean, does that mean they don't have a chance? Or Pretty much, uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, the first time a team ent enters, their, their uh, performance will usually be pretty poor. But they learn from that. They learn from their own mistakes. They learn from looking at what other teams have done, and the next time they'll be better. Uh, national participation, going to the national contest, is particularly beneficial because there they will see the very best bridges. The problem we have here is that uh, these are students, and they graduate, and they take their experience with them mm -hmm. very quickly. So where does the continuity come from? Uh, it comes from the faculty advisor the coach of the team. It comes from students who participate for more than one year and a good team will actually document its design and its observations, sometimes with, with video, uh, to help the next year's team. How does a university team get to the national competition? How many competitions do they have to mm -hmm. win to get there? Well, just one. Uh, we have regional competitions that are associated with 18 ASCE student conferences scattered all over the country. As I said, that attracts about 200 universities. Usually the first and second place from each of those conferences will advance to the national com uh, competition. And that'd be about 40 teams. I should say that this is primarily a United States competition, but we typically and this year have a couple of Canadian schools that are competing mm -hmm. that do very well, some Mexican schools. We have a Chinese university this year and one from Puerto Rico. Excellent. You had mentioned that the teams are timed on how fast they construct their bridge and that a low time is, is necessary pretty much to win. Um, what's the shortest time you've ever seen a team build their bridge in? Well, this is in the early years, but I've seen bridges come in under two minutes. Wow. We, we have since put in rules that make make that a little more difficult. <laughs> we now require a bolt in every connection, which has slowed them down considerably. One year I saw a team with, uh, with just two builders put their bridge together in quite a reasonable time. Wow, that's impressive. It really was. 2010, our last national competition, our national first place team used four builders and put their bridge together in three minutes and 12 seconds. Last year, the competition was, was at Purdue. That's correct. And that was the first competition that I attended. 
I was a judge um, and I was really stunned at all the work that, that goes into what they have to do to get their bridge uh, to the national competition and very impressed by how innovative some of the designs were. You know, very sleek and, you know, connections just went together so quickly. What's the most innovative design that you've seen over the years? Well, the one that most impressed me was a through arch that looked like half a bicycle wheel, meaning that it had a rim and that its spandrels were radial. They all came together at a central hub. Well, the 20-foot high bridge, or 20-foot long bridge, that gives you a 10-foot high arch. So how did they put this thing together? Well, it was all done from one side. So the student would put in a segment of the rim, or the arch, put in a spoke, lift that up one step, put in another piece of the rim, another spoke, lift that up, and the whole arch just kind of grew up one side and then passed over the top and down to the other side. Well, this gave them a very quick assembly time, but it also gave them an arch that was higher than they could have reached otherwise. So, it, uh, you know, a taller arch like that would be stronger for the given, given weight. So it was certainly an innovative and a very effective solution. Do you give any type of points in the scoring for that, or is there an award for that, for, for being very innovative and original? No, there is not. Civil engineering <laughs> tends to... Well, I shouldn't say that. Innovations come slowly, mm -hmm. and uh, if they're good innovations, they will show up in the technical scoring without additional points. When you get to the national competition, I mean, do you, you said it, it helps teams to see what other teams are doing and to see the best teams in the country. Do you pick up ideas, bits and pieces from other people's bridges and, and then maybe come back and use them in your own for the next year? Oh, there's a lot of espionage, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, you'll see students with cameras just all over the good bridges, taking pictures of connections. And yes, there's, there's a lot of cross-pollination of ideas. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. So a good idea, a new idea, an innovation that shows up one year will show up in a lot of bridges the next year. <laughs> Uh, what's the uh, funniest thing that you've ever seen happen during a competition? Because they're, I mean, they're really running just as quick as they can and, and trying to get this bridge put together, and I would imagine that there's probably... Oh, there are funny things that happen. Uh, the funniest one that I remember was a, uh, a big through truss, a polygonal truss. And in putting it together, they couldn't get the last piece of the upper cord in easily. It just didn't fit. It might have been the wrong piece. Well, they forced it in. They used a lot of muscle and a lot of hammering and finally got that piece in. The bridge was loaded, and I think perhaps it uh, underwent some uh, permanent distortion under the load. It was unloaded, and then they discovered they couldn't take it apart. <laughs> so here they have a 20-foot-long, 500-pound, bright red, big, heavy arch to deal with. And they struggled. These were big big students and they couldn't get it apart. They finally managed to get it into the bed of a pickup truck, but it stuck up high and up over the cab and uh, it made quite an interesting sight leaving the, uh, the contest. <laughs> Did they have a long way to go to get home? No, I think those <laughs> they were Detroit school and they didn't have very far to go. Oh, well, that's good. That was good. What do you think is the most important thing that a student that's participating in the competition learns? Well, you know, I'm going to just neglect that word, most important thing, because I want to give you a list. Teamwork is certainly important. Leadership skills, management, planning, scheduling. 
in far, as far as design goes, the typical steel design course emphasizes mostly strength. But now in this contest, they have to consider strength, but they also have to meet dimensional limits, and they have to design for constructability. These are new things for them. They obviously learn fabrication skills. Uh, they learn the importance of complete drawings, especially shop drawings. Mm -hmm. And they learn the properties of steel. And I'd like to give you a little story about that. My students, back when I was coaching a team at Michigan State, had designed a through arch and for the portal brace, the, the horizontal piece that goes over the entrance to the bridge, they had designed a nice little rectangular truss. And I looked at it and said, you know, guys, if you made the bottom cord of that curved in a nice little arch, it would look better and it would be a little better structurally. And well, the team, yeah, agreed with that, but said, well, we can't bend the steel, it'll break. <laughs> they thought it was a brittle material. Well, that bottom cord was a thin thin tube, I think half by half tube. So I had them scrawl out a, an arch shape on a piece of uh, plywood, actually, full size, and slowly worked that lower cord into a nice arch and then welded into the uh, into the portal frame. So there was an instance where they quickly learned that, uh, hey, steel is ductile. It steel can be worked ductile. cold. <laughs> and if, you know, with later teams with a little bit of heat, you can do a lot of interesting shapes with steel. Mm -hmm. Do you think that uh, design software over the years has had any impact on the competition? Oh, yes. Graphics, particularly. You know, when we started the competition, we were looking at uh, manual line drawings. Now we're seeing some very sophisticated renderings. The better analysis programs now allow the students to compare more alter alternatives and to do it faster. But there's been little or no impact on conceptual design, laying out the, the general shape of the structure to begin with. The software just doesn't seem to help with that. And it's a new thing for students. Their academic courses usually don't talk about conceptual design. So it's another one of those things that they learn from this contest, and primarily from this contest. How can a local fabricator provide support to a school in their area to compete? Well, there's lots of ways. Money is always welcome. The students need money for steel. They need it for shop consumables, and particularly for travel to their contests. Fabricators can help by donating steel or giving it to the students at cost because typically the fabricator will get uh, discounts from the service center that the universities don't have available. I should say that a structural shop's drops are probably not useful in the contest because we're usually talking about much smaller tubing than a structural fab would, would have. In general, I found fabricators to be quite generous in supporting this contest. Mm -hmm. So in the same vein, how can the structural steel construction industry and the design community provide support for a school that's hosting the regional or national competitions? Well, again, money is important. Always need contributions. Engineers, fabricators, whoever in the profession can serve as judges for these contests, which is uh, the people that do that seem to enjoy it a lot. There's always a need for hosting equipment. Uh, for loading the bridge, we need about a ton of loads. Typically, that's steel angles cut to length. 
We need grading, decking to hold the load. We need instrumentation of various sorts. And I might add that this is a wonderful opportunity for public relations, for exposing your firm or exposing students to your firm. So you can be acknowledged in uh, programs, you can put up signs, you can pass out literature, you can pass out promotional trinkets. It's a good way to meet students. What do you think the competition, um, all these years that you've been involved in it, has taught you and meant to you? Well, it's meant a lot. Uh, in retirement, it's been a way to, uh, to keep in touch with students and with the profession. But now I'm going to answer as a team advisor. First off, it's been an extremely powerful teaching tool. I found that I can teach concepts in the shop and at the design computer uh, that were very difficult to teach in class. And let me give you an example of that. I had a student who'd gone through my structural analysis course and my steel design course and done very well. And if I had asked her the characteristics of, a, of the mathematical definition of a truss, she probably would have said that at a connection all the centroidal axes of all the members meet at the same point, which is correct. That's one of the, one of the aspects she would have said. Well, out in the shop, she was designing a gusset plate. She made up the little pattern, and we put it down on, on the floor with the members coming in laid up against the pattern. And those centroidal axes didn't come together at a point. They kind of defined a rather large triangle. So she knew the theory, but she couldn't put it into practice. She didn't know it applied. So it was a pretty easy thing then to show her that as she laid it out, there was no way it could be in equilibrium without some bending in those members, which is not acceptable in a truss. So a little bit of explanation, she took a new piece of paper, put it under the members, and drew out a very acceptable gusset plate. So here was a situation where we were able to teach something very simply and graphically in the shop that had eluded this student in the classroom. Well, I've, you know, from that story, you get the idea, too, that I've gained a, a much closer uh, relationship with my students than I ever had as a classroom uh, teacher. I've come to respect their creativity and their mastery of software. Some of them are just amazing. Uh, some of them have extraordinary management and fabrication skills that they clearly learned out of school. I love to have those in my team. I've learned the importance of leadership. Uh, you can't have a good team without a good captain. And then there's welding. Well, you know, I had a short professional career before I uh, joined the university, and I knew how to design weldments, but I had never welded. Well, okay, so I sometimes get a team where there's nobody who knows how to weld, which means I have to teach the basics of welding. Could I do this? I didn't know myself. So I trotted off to the local community college and took a couple of welding courses. So I've learned something, had to learn something and to be a good advisor. And I've become profoundly aware of the significance and sincere commitment of AISC to structural steel education. AISC is, is co-sponsors the competition every year with ASCE. Correct. AISC, I think, has been around since the beginning, right? That's correct. The first national competition. What What does AISC do to support the competition? A lot. Uh, <laughs> first, just on the on the aspect of money, they uh, they have a little stipend, cash stipend for every uh, school that enters in the regional contest. They have a travel stipend for student or for schools that advance to the national competition. They provide plaques and trophies at all levels. 
they help support the uh, locals, the local hosting organizations, and they help support the uh, the national hosting organization. Beyond that, there's tremendous staff involvement with Nancy Gavlin and her staff. They put in a lot of hours and a lot of good time helping this contest run. And recruit as many judges as possible. <laughs> and thank you, Margaret, for being a judge. <laughs> well, I really enjoyed the competition last year. I had never been to one, um, and unfortunately, I, I didn't participate when I was in school. We had a team, but I, I wasn't on it. So it was, a, it was a very new experience, but it was very exciting. I really enjoyed it last year, so I'm really looking forward to going back again this year. I'm going to be a judge again. So, again, the competition this year is at Texas A&M. It is. Uh, May 20th and 21st, that's a Friday and a Saturday. Our competitions are always open to the public. Admission is free. On that Friday, the 20th, the bridges will all be set up for uh, display judging. So this is a chance for the public to wander around and look at the bridges, look at the posters, talk to the students, learn what goes into these designs, ask the students what they've learned. It's a great experience to mix with students and see their their work. And then on Saturday, starting early in the morning, will be construction and load testing. That will probably go on till uh, mid-afternoon, typically. Depending on how quickly they all get those bridges put together. That's correct. So <laughs> everybody who's listening, come see us in Texas. Excellent. Yeah, everybody come out. It's it's a good time. It's a, it's a fun day if you're around and you can come out. Texas A&M, College Station, Texas, May 20th and 21st. You also um, recently attended and presented at the Iron and Steel Preservation Conference. Is that like historic bridges that that's about preserving? Well, that's kind of an inter interesting thing. I mentioned that I had gotten interested in uh, restoration of historic steel bridges, truss bridges, the old county road bridges. And I'm working here with a retired uh, structural iron worker who's been an interesting person. He's a part-time welding instructor at the local community college, Lansing Community College. A very innovative gentleman. Well, he got the idea of maybe bringing together people from across the country who were interested in uh, restoration of steel and iron structures. And last spring, we had our first such conference at LCC. We had a day of presentations and then two days of hands-on shop work. So here we were demonstrating and teaching, letting our audience participate in some ironworking techniques. So uh, heat straightening, for example, riveting. We've, we've uh, resurrected the uh, traditional structural practice of riveting connections so that we can do our restorations uh, authentically. So we had people out with making riveted connections. Some, uh, well, we did some braze welding repairs. We had a variety of, of things going on for, for participation. And then we repeated the uh, conference again this year. The audience there is very interesting because you get historians mm -hmm. who are in, and some of our presentations are just pure history. We get college professors, of course. We get fabricators. We get just community activists who want to save that old bridge in their community. So a tremendous mixture of people. And then to see these folks out in the shop getting dirty, getting their hands on the historians, the professors particularly just seem to love this part of the, con of the uh, conference. Yeah, I bet that is that is more interesting than just typically sitting in a in a room and listening to somebody talk about it to actually get in there and get to try it. Absolutely, you can't beat hands on. So uh, maybe you see things in these old bridges sometimes that maybe you incorporate then into on your team's bridges maybe. 
Well, again, I don't design my team's bridges. <laughs> well, no, not design. But. but yes, there's certainly some details on the historic bridges that are appropriate for the student bridges. Absolutely. Are you still a coach of I am Michigan State's team? So you've been the coach this whole time. Haven't ever missed a year? I've never missed a year as coach. I think this, this year's competition will be exciting, especially with the cantilevers involved. And uh, I'm really looking forward to it. So hopefully um, we'll, we'll see a lot of people coming by to, to check out the bridges. Well, it sounds like you're reaching a conclusion here. So I would, <laughs> I would like to just add again, so much thanks to AISC for all they've done for education and for supporting this contest. And if it doesn't stretch too long, I'd like to mention our other national sponsors. Oh, sure. So AISI. Bentley Systems, uh, CISC, uh, Lincoln Electric Foundation, NSBA, Nelson Stud Welding, Nucor Corporation, the uh, Structural Steel Education Foundation, and DS Solid Works. And fabricators, service centers, whatever in the steel industry, if you want to help sponsor this, contact Nancy Gavlin at AISC. Great. Okay. Well, I think that's that's the end of our interview today. Thank you so much for letting me come by to talk to you, Frank. Well, thank you for letting me talk about my favorite subject. <laughs> and of course, we'd like to recognize the American Society of Civil Engineers as AISC's major co-sponsor of the competition and note that ASCE provides scholarships to the top three finishing schools in the national competition. We would also like to recognize the many contributions of Frommie Rosenberg to the success of the National Student Steel Bridge Competition. Frommi was AISC's Director of University Programs for the first 17 years of the national competition. His tireless efforts were instrumental in assuring the success of the competition. This has been a presentation by the American Institute of Steel Construction. Join us next month when I'll be talking about the annual Steel Day event coming up in September. For more information on AISC continuing education opportunities, please visit us on the web at AISC.org seminars. And remember, there's always a solution in steel.